It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by flick composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Here's your host. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, healthcare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner. we got a great show in store for today. Uh, coming up in the third half of our three-hour tour, we're going to talk with um, Daphna Nakminovich. I hope I'm saying that right. She's a senior vice president with PETA, and she's going to talk about a new hour-long uh, documentary um, that's uh, called Breaking the Chain from executive producer Angelica Houston. That should be uh, an interesting conversation to be sure. Before that, we're going to get some spending tips and how to stick to your budget from Jason Gaughan, who's uh, from Bank of America. But first, coming up, uh, actually joining me by phone right now, the author of a new book of poetry uh, called Bathing Kitty and Other Mischievous poems. It's by L.W. Lewis, and um, he joins me by phone. Lenny, welcome to the show. Well, well thank you, Tom, and thank you for having me. Um, I, I meant to, to mention the fact that you're a retired U.S. Air Force pilot and navigator. That doesn't seem like the likely uh, a likely candidate to be writing poetry, especially for young kids. I think Air Force pilots are pretty smart. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't question your intelli- in, intelligence at all, Lenny. Um, just maybe the motivation. Um, but you've always been interested in writing, and specifically in poetry. Uh, yes, since the sixth grade. I had a sixth grade teacher. And um, he came in in the middle of the year, and you know he started reading poetry, and everybody was upset, all the kids and by the end of the year, he'd only read it if we were good. Really? Uh, yeah, he did a lot. He, he he didn't start with poems like I did, though. They were more sophisticated. Um, he read things to us like um, Gunga Din or Casey at the Bat or The Face on the Barroom Floor. Um, sixth graders are a little older, so... And but, um, do you find... Um because you go out and and do presentations at schools, do you find that young people are as adverse to poetry now as they were back when you were in the sixth grade, or 
um, has has the spoken word and and hip hop uh, music changed that a little bit? Well, hip hop music may have changed that some, but it's it's song. So no, when I go to schools. Um, you know, when I say I'm going to do poetry, it's, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll say to the kids, uh, okay, how many really don't want to hear poetry? And almost all of them raise their hand. And so what I do is I say, okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to do five poems. You guys have to promise to listen. And then after that, we'll vote. If you want me to leave, I'll leave. And so that if you can get them to listen to a couple, they'll listen to all of them. But you inject some some humor into some of this poetry for young people. Yeah, most of it, actually. Um, uh, most of it starts out as humor. And um, in my books, they're humorous. At the end of my books, there's a, always a few poems. It's called the not-too-funny section. And they're, they're just normal poems that adults would like. And I do those in schools, and if I do fifth and sixth graders at the end of my program, when they vote on the poems they like, they usually like those the best. But if I started with those, they wouldn't listen. And and with this uh, this new book, Bathing Kitty, is your, your fifth book. And I'm judging from things that I've read about your books that they're not all for kids. Um, well, you know, I thought I was writing for kids. Um I have done, I do stand-up comedy doing these same poems, and I've, I've performed at the Comedy Zone in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, at the Orange Blossom Opry, which is kind of like a, you know, remember the old Hee Haw show? Yeah. It's a place kind, kind of like that. But um, the poems, do you, you want to hear one short one here? Yeah, please. Okay. Um... I fed my little brother dog food. My mother is really mad. I think it's the best dog food that little guy ever had. Still, she went and called the doctor. Her eyes are filled with tears. So I'm not going to tell her. He's been eating it for years. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, is that is that typical of the kinds of things that that are uh, is that one from bathing kitty for example it is yes mm -hmm. and yeah, and that that wouldn't be one i start with you really have to for especially young boys you have to grab their attention it has to be a little bit potty you know <laughs> um when you were in the service and thank you for your service by the way um you were an Air Force pilot and navigator. You uh, flew B-52s during the Vietnam War and, and then later uh, flew with the Flying Tigers. Um, were you writing poetry all the time through that? Um, no. Uh, no. Some of that time, yes. But um, I, I started, I, I don't think I write poetry. I think it just comes to me. But it was uh, Shel Silverstein. I was reading his book to my kids, and I really liked him. And uh, I said, kids, I, I could write poetry like that. And they said, no, you can't, Daddy. So when I was gone, I would write, and um, I'd send them to them. And they, 
they brought them to school, and the teachers thought I should maybe try to get them published. Really? And yeah. and then um, how long ago did you uh, retire from the Air Force? I retired in 86. And so in the time between then and now, um, how long before you started uh, writing, not just writing, but publishing? I don't. I have a terrible memory for time. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe two thousand. I want to guess, but I. I don't know. And so you've written five books in the last, or or at least published five books in the last uh, twenty years. Is the um, is this a weird time to be releasing a book, Lenny? Um, with the pandemic going on, it's it's not a time when you can get out to schools and do book signings and readings, or or are you able to do some of those things online? Uh, no, you are correct. I, I, it is in that respect, it's not a good time. Um, the only advantage is people might be more interested in books now since they can't do other things. Yeah, I wonder about that if people are uh, maybe reading more, and I suspect that they are. I would suspect that also. Um, I don't have any proof. But. Well, I think I had somebody on the show a few weeks ago who had who had done a study that um, that young people were, in fact, reading considerably more this year than last. I I hope that's true. I mean, I you know, reading is it, it's been a big part of my life ever since the sixth grade, and I think it started with poetry. I do. Um, I you know, but I've read a lot of classic novels and stuff, and it's just because of learning to like to read. And that's a big part of of your books and your presentations to young people is this idea that you that you draw them in with a little humor some tongue-in-cheek and before they know it they're enjoying reading yes yeah i think that's true and i, I you know i don't make any money i mean I, you know i make a little bit but i i could not live as an author i'd be on the streets but but what i really like is that um I've had teachers tell me how much I've helped children learn how to read. And when I first started writing, I thought, gee, I'm going to make money. Well, I never really did. Um, but one thing that I guess made me feel really good, um, when Jim Henson died, my oldest daughter calls me crying. Now, she's in her late 30s at this time. And I said, honey, you didn't even know Jim Henson. And she says, Dad, he taught me how to read and he taught me how to write. And I thought, wow, what a wonderful legacy to leave this country, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so, you know, I mean, obviously I'm not on his caliber, but, but there, I do see children cherish the books, you know, and hopefully it will help them throughout their lives. Not that they're going to read it throughout their lives, but it gets them started. Now, like the piece that you uh, read a, a, a few minutes ago, that's that's fun and funny. Um, what's the difference between 
the kind of poetry that you do and limericks, for example, which have a, a similar sort of rhyming scheme? Um, limerick, limericks, it's just the, it's just the, um, uh, the format is really it. Um, my poems are not limericks because they don't have the right amount of lines, but they are humorous poems, and that's what limericks are, too. Um, interesting um how do these things come to you lenny are you um constantly thinking of things do you keep a a notebook or a journal or uh, someplace where you write down things that that occur to you that you can later develop into something um you know i don't sit and think about it and sometimes what will happen is one line will hit me and I'll really like the line, and so then I'll develop a poem around it. Do you do it uh, right? Do you do it right then on the spot, or do you jot it down uh, or make a mental note later to get back to it? It happens both ways. Sometimes the whole thing comes to me right away, and sometimes that that line will float around in my head for months. How, do, how does the, the process of putting a book together work for you? Um, do you sit down with the intention of writing a book and, um, you know, gather some, some poetry that you already have and write more to, to flesh it out? How, do, how does that work? Yeah, that is how it works, just, just like you described. Um, and when I, you know, and when I have enough poems, and sometimes I have... A, a book that's kind of writing itself. It's it's going to be called Kids' Poems for Adults. And sometimes when I write a kid's poem, it's not appropriate for children. And I don't mean it's vulgar or anything. It's just uh, something that that wouldn't do well. Maybe a subject they don't relate to or something? No, no. no. Um, what, can I do one? Yeah, please. Okay. Um... I'm not too sure that Santa is real, and I've got good reasons for how I feel. If he sees me sleeping at the midnight hour, does he also watch me when I take a shower? I'm not saying he does that, but if he can, they should arrest him. He's a dirty old man. <laughs> um, and that that's kind of a kid's poem, but I wouldn't want that in a kid's book. I see. So you're setting those aside for... Uh for some of us older people to have a little fun with. Yeah, I don't have enough of those type of poems yet. If I ever get one, I'll try doing a book like that. But um, most of them are, most of them seem appropriate when I do them. Well, Lenny, I have to take a uh, a break here. Can you stick around for a few minutes so we can talk some more? happy to do that okay stand by it, my guest is uh, is uh leonard lewis um his readers know him as lw lewis and his uh, new book is bathing kitty and other mischievous poems and we're going to talk some more with lenny after we let our broadcast uh, partner squeeze a few words in if you're listening to us on 92.1 FM or whatever they do when we go to break, if you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner Program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. A social distancing tip. Putting distance between yourself and others is critical to slowing the spread of coronavirus. So here are ways to stay in contact without the physical contact part. Call, send a text, set up a video conference, post on social media, dedicate a song on the radio. If you have symptoms of fever, dry cough, and shortness of breath, call your health care provider before going to their office. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part, because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Your calls matter. Join me and Andrea weekdays from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern to talk about whatever you want to talk about. The Tom Sumner Program has open phone lines Monday through Friday to hear from you. How's 2020 working out for you so far? How about those damn roads? Call in live at 810-339-8255. It's all about you. We'll be streaming live at TomSumnerProgram.com and simulcast on WFOV 92.1 FM in Flint. Foil hats are optional. You thought you had every Elvis record made, but wait, Elvis sings again, this time from heaven. That's right, Elvis from heaven. Yes, hear Elvis from Graceland in the Sky, soul-stirring versions of epic proportions. You'll hear Elvis crooning, early gate rock, all dug up, lying in the chapel, and 11 others. This record also includes a special Elvis message. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Elvis Presley. Order before midnight tonight and receive this Elvis Presley commemorative casket keychain. Open it up. Yes, the king inside. A must for any Elvis fan. Order yours today. To order your Elvis from Heaven, send $9.95 in check or money order to Elvis from Heaven, P.O. Box 714, Cleo, Michigan, 44487. Or save COD charges and phone 555-5554. Use Master Charge or Visa, Canadian residents, add $3. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology. Engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com 
This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, my guest this hour is the uh, author of a new book of poetry called Bathing Kitty and Other Mischievous Poems. Um, he is a retired uh, U.S. Air Force pilot and poet named, uh, well known to his readers as L.W. Lewis. His name is Leonard. Lenny, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Thank you, Tom. Um, in the in the last segment, you read uh, one of your poems, and I and I wondered if we could get you to read uh, uh, another one, maybe maybe one about the uh, dietary habits of uh, flies. Oh, sure. Um, I I um, that was that's in the book. Yes, it goes. Um, why do flies eat doggy poop? Don't they want an ice cream scoop? If I were a fly, I wouldn't even try it. I'd say to those other flies, I'm on a diet. <laughs> and how could brace or style something that lies in a big smelly pile? And if doggy poop were the last meal you had, I know for sure your breath will smell bad. But flies like poop. I don't know why. You'd think they'd want an apple pie. Poop is disgusting, stinky, and bad. Yet it's the best meal a fly ever had. Now, there are lots of things I'd love to be, like a dog or a horse or a fish in the sea, but never, ever wonder why I would not want to be a fly. Oh, that's marvelous. That's marvelous. Um, how do you determine um, the, the one that you read in the, uh, in the last segment, um, or I guess there were a couple, are, are shorter than that. How do you determine uh, the length? Is there an ideal length for the purposes of, of holding someone's attention? Um, no, but my one of my daughters, my youngest daughter, taught me they can't be too long. Um, she played softball, and uh, she made her first out, and she went in the dugout crying. And uh, I wrote a poem, and it, and it was about her, and she still got bored with it um, because she said, Daddy, am I going to get a hit or aren't I? And I realized that, you know, for younger children, I don't care how good it is or at least how good you think it is. If it's too long, it's not going to hold their attention. So um, they, they need that one that I just did, uh, Why Do Flies Eat Doggy Poop, that's about as long as it should, you know, anything longer than that, you're going to lose their attention. It can be shorter, but uh, not much longer. And how did you come up with, I mean, how did you come about titling the, the book Bathing Kitty? Well, I just, I just liked the poem. Um, and I... You know, my opinion is I don't pick my titles too well. I could, probably could have picked some better title, but um, I, I I just came up with it just because I liked the poem "Bathing Kitty." Um, and we should probably, um, Lenny, if you don't mind, we should probably hear that one since it's the one that that uh, um, okay. coined the yeah, the no. title. Yeah, that's fine. I, I, I do them all in school, so I should be able to do it out here. <laughs> okay. Um, I bathed our kitten. She's squeaky clean. Now she's afraid of our washing machine. 
She's been crying, meowing. It's probably stress. But I used gentle cycle and permanent press. At first she swam. Then a short time later, she got too close to the agitator. I tried to grab her. She was out of reach. All I could do is add more bleach. And cats hate soapy water, so it's hard to win. Mine wasn't happy with rinse or spin. I took her out early when she started to cry. I thought she'd feel better if she could tumble dry. So how else do you keep an animal clean? I love that kitten. I don't want to be mean. I'm sure I made a big mistake. Next time, I'm not going to wash her with my snake. <laughs> when you're when you're writing these things, Lenny, um, does does the rhyming scheme sort of decide what's coming next? It, 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 do they write themselves in a way? Yeah, you're really perceptive. That is correct. I, when I'm writing, I don't know how they're going to end. The rhyming scheme does determine how it ends. And do you think? Do you think poetry sits better on the ear? It's it's easier to to keep people's attention because of the rhyming. Not all poetry rhymes, um, but but yet we all sort of recognize the the cadence and the rhyming scheme, and and it becomes uh, almost like a comfort zone. Um, if it sounds like, and, and again, you know, I, I write poetry for kids, and I, I'm no great poet, and I, and I don't know a lot about poetry, but from my experience, it needs to sound, it needs to rhyme, but it needs to sound like natural talk. If I did a poem, I went to the show, and I had dough, and then I went, and I don't know, that all rhymes, but it's a forced rhyme. It, it's not like you'd normally speak, so it sort of has to rhyme and it has to sound like normal speech. What do you think of the um, of the the rhyming scheme that that rappers use and and spoken word artists use? Um, I, do you hear those things? And and what do you think of um, of that art form, especially the freestyle? Um, well. Uh, I, I've been to some poetry slams, and I, I forgot where I was, but it was uh, mostly black people doing rap, and I didn't think I liked rap, but I do. Um, I don't like it all, just like I don't like all poetry, but this one guy got up. He was amazing. I mean, he was just amazing. He had me in tears. It was the best rap I've ever heard. And, you know, so... so you may not like the venue, or you may like it, but you, if you like it, you're going to hear some bad. If you don't like it, you're going to hear some good, just like in any other thing. You know, you may not like um, uh, rock and roll, but even if you even if you just like classical, I'm sure there's got to be some rock and roll songs you'll like. Well, I, I, there are symphony orchestras that have devoted whole concerts to the music of the Beatles, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I think rap is a good thing. I, I I think any art form that that gets people thinking and doing things is is a good art form. 
That's um, that's that's great to hear because I I think um, there are a lot of people who just don't listen and and don't realize that that there's an art form at play. I remember um, Ray Charles being on the Tonight Show and uh, Johnny Carson asked him something about rap music uh, that was just beginning at the time, and Ray Charles said, "Well." I know the kids have to have something to dance to, but I can't learn nothing from it. And I, you know, it's 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 fun, and it's and it's funny, and and I get it because um, there have been very few people uh, that that were better artists and and performers than Ray Charles, um, but but yet I think he was missing something. Well, yeah, but it was so new. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that I listen to rap, but I'm saying that there is good rap. There's excellent rap. So, you know, we, we, you pick the venues that, you, that you're most comfortable with that, that seem to fit your ear the best. Um, and for different people, it's different things. Yeah, I, I'm, so, a, I'm a jazz fan, and I have many friends who think that jazz is just chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still do you still fly, Lenny? No, no, I don't. I mean, I you know, I I still have a license, but it's not um, it's not current, and I couldn't fly anything that I'd really want to fly. Oh, really? Well, you know, after flying fighters, everything else is kind of a a letdown. <laughs> I I would think. Um, you were uh, also. Um, an Air Force instructor pilot, and uh, you also uh, attended uh, Army Jump School. Um, you've jumped out of an airplane 268 times. That's correct. Seems like once it'd be enough for most people. Well, you don't have a choice. After yeah. That. Yeah. Um, you know, I wanted to do it, and. Uh, when they opened up the door the first time, man, I was scared, you know, but, you know, you're there, you got to do it. And so after you've done it once, you say, well, I've done it, I don't have to do it again. But in jump school, you do, and you have to keep jumping. It's dangerous. I remember uh, uh, my daughter was in high school, and I was sitting watching TV, and she walked in front of me, and she said, I'm going to take parachute lessons. Man, I jumped out of my chair. <laughs> it's dangerous, you know. I, I got towed one time, and uh, uh, it's just, uh, it's, I wouldn't do it now. I'd do it, as, again, as part of my job, but I wouldn't do it just to do it. Gotcha. Um, now that you're, you're writing these books, um, are you already working on the next book, Lenny? I don't really work on books. Um, like I said before, sometimes something comes to me, you know, and um, then I'll write it down. And when I have enough poems, then I'll, then I'll think about doing another book. If I get close, I'll sit down and try to think of poems, but they don't usually end up as good as the ones that just come to me. So you don't, you don't do that, uh, that process that some writers do where you just close yourself up in a room somewhere and, and start with a blank screen and say, I'm going to generate 
you know, so many pages or so many words uh, today before I get up from this chair. No, I don't do that at all. Mm-mm. No, it, it just it just comes to my head, and I I take it from there. Hey, I have a songwriter friend who um, keeps a, a, a notebook, a journal. He calls it his boneyard, and whenever he comes up with an idea for song lyrics, he'll jot a you know couple of lines down, or maybe maybe a few chord changes or something. And then later, when he has some time to work on things, he can go through there and and get ideas and flesh them out. Um, and and turn them into songs, and it sounds like you do something sort of similar with poetry. It is, that is the same thing I think that he and I do. Yeah, and actually, I've written two musicals, um, and I cannot read a note of music, um, but music is poetry. Uh, and I had written a child's poem, and I I said. You know that's that could be a love song, and so um, I, I, for some reason I wrote a musical. That's that's uh, that's interesting. Um, I, I wonder if uh, if some of the great lyricists, um, you know, often some of the great old standards were written by songwriting teams, where one one guy was the music guy and the other guy was the word guy. Oh, yeah, uh, Lerner and Lowe. Yeah, um, classic example. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I had to have a friend write the music. I, I you know, I, I I can't carry a tune. I can't sing. I, I just have no musical ability. Um, you mentioned that you fell in love with poetry at an early age. Who are some of your favorites? Um, I I like Rudyard Kipling a lot, um, and I like some of Poe, um, but I think I think by far Kipling's my favorite. And I didn't even know who he was, you know. For are you a Shakespeare fan at all? Uh, no, not really. Um, I mean, I, you know, in high school I had to read it, but no. It's it, it's a little difficult to um, to phrase sometimes and and understand some of the references are are very different. Do you think of um, uh, when you're writing poetry, um, especially these short poems, these short humorous poems for kids? Um, are, are you thinking in terms of of popular culture usually when you're doing these? I don't think so. I think we, um, you know, I, I think we're formed early in our life, and we we like things that uh, we grew up with. So I think I grew up in the fifties, and I I think this book would have been okay in the fifties. Um, I, no, I don't. I don't consider that at all. I just write, you know. Uh, if people like it, they like it. If they don't, they don't. There's nothing I can do about that. Yeah, but I think there are some things, and I think uh, poetry and and certainly humor, that um, that are in many ways timeless. Oh, 
that's that's true for sure. Uh, I don't think I'm <laughs> I don't think I'm to that stage yet, though. I think you're talking about really famous people. Well, no, not necessarily. I'm I'm saying when when you read poetry and and it's um, you know tight and it and it rhymes and and you're getting these positive reactions from kids. Um, I, I I think that's that's a hint that while you may think of yourself as being sort of old school, it it's still just as effective um, on on young audiences. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yes, yes, I agree with that. <laughs> and you know, I think more important than making money is is giving a child. That's a real gift to give somebody. I think. Uh, you know, a, a thirst for knowledge or learning. And, and um, like I say, I, I originally started out hoping to make money. I had to give up on that. But um, but when you see a kid cherish the book, when I, I, I write poems that are called zingers, um, and it's to teach morals and stuff. And, uh, and, and I sneak those in there. Uh, and I went to his school, and the kids already had this book, and nobody knew who I was. And I was walking down the hall, and this little girl says, oh, she's just a tomato friend. Well, that's a line from my book. And um, it, it just made me feel good, you know, that, that hopefully she picked up those morals. Um, so that's, you know, I think, I think if I've done anything for society, that's, that's what I've done to help. When you're when you're reading um, two young kids, um, and you read something like "Why do flies eat doggy poop?" are are they laughing out loud and, and giggling and and yeah. are you getting that yeah. kind of reaction? Yes, I had one little girl actually fall out of her chair laughing. <laughs> I still, but uh, yeah, and I re- do you want to hear the poem that she? Um, yeah. Okay. It goes, um, Mom, can I please play with my newborn sister? Because yesterday I really missed her. I was playing baseball, catching flies, talking about her to the other guys. I know she's small. She can't move around. But she could lie there on the ground. Her blanket would protect her face. And we want to use her as second base. That little girl, she was in, I think, the third grade. She was like a little old lady. I mean, she, she's going to make a great mother. She's going to make a great person. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I don't, I don't think there's anything quite as rewarding, Lenny, as hearing um, children laugh. Yeah, you're right. I, I agree with that. I, I can't imagine that would equal all the money in the world. You know what? You're, you're right. You are absolutely right. That is true. And I think as you get older, as long as you have enough money, money's not that important. When you're younger, maybe it is. Uh, but if you, as you get older, I think if you have enough money, you want to do different things. And, you know, help, help others or teach others. Well, I can relate to that, Lenny. You picked poetry, I picked radio. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> Your I agree. I agree. And, uh, you know, just listening in, I mean, a lot of a lot of representatives, congressmen, a lot of people listen to you. And um, and I, I think it's great. 
Well, you know, that's because I, I, I have a, a little bit of a uh, morality lesson myself, and that is uh, everybody gets a turn at the microphone, and I don't tell people what to think. Well, I, I like your program. I really do. I, I've been listening to some of it because I knew I was going to... I live in Florida, so, you know, it's not... You're not on my local radio, but um, but I've been listening to some of your stuff, and I do like it. Well, it's it's streamable uh, everywhere, and it repeats all day, you know, every day, so it doesn't matter what time of day. You can always pop in and listen to that day's show. Um, and And that brings me we, we just have uh, about two or three minutes left um, Lenny and I always want to give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and uh, and your work past present and future um, do you have a website Lenny no I do not um, if they're interested in the book uh, they can get it on Amazon you just go to Amazon, then go to books, and then type in Bathing Kitty, and the book will come up. Um, I'm not very computer literate. You know, all I really do is just write to go to school, so um, I, don't, I don't mark it very well at all. <laughs> um, Lenny, I did want to mention uh, that, that in addition to your poetry, there are illustrations in the book. Do you want to say a little something about uh, Marta? Oh, I've never met her. She lives in Spain. But she, yeah, I think she did a really great job. Um, the publisher let me pick the artist, and this woman didn't have any kid stuff at all. She had some beautiful drawings, and I said, man, if this woman would do the drawings, it'd be great, but I'm not sure she could do uh, a, ch a child's book. And uh, so sometimes she would, she would email me and say, look, I, I can't think of anything to draw for this. And I can think of things to draw, but I can't draw. Yeah, her name's um, Marta Captavilla, I think is how she pronounces it. I, th I think she did an excellent job. She's really a great person. Well, I love the image on the uh, on the cover of the grumpy cat wrapped in a towel. Yeah, I do too. I do too. That's a lot of fun. Well, Lenny, it's uh, it's been fun getting to know you a little bit, and I wish you uh, all the best with the book and uh, your future endeavors. Well, thank you, Tom. Um, I, I appreciate that, and it, it really was a pleasure to be on your show. I had a, I was nervous and. Uh, and I really had a good time. You, you, you have a way of making people comfortable. Well, it's, you know, it, it, it's, we're just chatting. And that's what it seems like. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much, Lenny. I appreciate you spending this time with me this morning. Well, thank you very much, Tom. You have a good day. All right, you too. Take care. That was um, Leonard Lewis, or L.W. Lewis, as he is known to his readers, author of Bathing Kitty and Other Mischievous, uh, mischievous Poems, uh, written uh, for children, hopefully to inspire them to read and to uh, also like poetry. We're going to take a short break. We're going to let our broadcast partners at WFOV 92.1 FM, Our Voices Radio in Flint, squeeze a few words in. Or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some uh, messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We've got lots more of the Tom Sumner Program straight ahead.
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling author photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Thank you, and thank you all for tuning in. You know, we know that tough times don't last, but tough people do. We've been through a lot here in Michigan. We've been through crisis before, where the country needed their countrymen and countrywomen to pitch in collectively to get through a crisis and rise to the occasion. Michigan once was the arsenal of democracy to win World War II. We need that same spirit now. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals and first responders to stop the spread and to save lives. But we need your help too. The state has launched a new volunteer website at www.michigan.gov forward slash fight COVID-19 where trained medical professionals can register to serve their fellow Michiganders by assisting hospitals in fighting COVID-19. State residents can also use the site to find out how they can help in their local communities by giving blood or donating resources or needed medical supplies. Whether you're a medical professional looking to volunteer or you're someone who can give blood or donate to your local food bank, everyone can help out. To get through this, we must all do our part. Stay home, stay safe, and save lives. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed. 
a magical place with magical charms indoors 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 take it away hey this is first ward city councilman eric mays and you're listening to the tom sumner program Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. The play that I want to tell you about is that Romeo and Juliet. Now there is a real thing. It's, it's a story about how this boy and girl was in love of one another, don't you see? It is. And everything would have been all right for them, except that their daddies didn't get along. <laughs> they didn't. And when the play opens, Juliet's daddy is a throwing this big fancy dress ball, and he invited the whole town to be there, but he didn't invite none of Romeo's people to come. And his buddies learned of it. And they put him up to slipping on a costume and slipping in at this party. And he was a spunky kind of a boy, and he done it. I think he done it and he got in there and everything was a going good till all of a sudden this girl Juliet come down the stairs and he was so struck by her that he give a soliloquy right there <laughs> he did and it wasn't about being or not being it was about doing or not doing <laughs> Well, the do's, they won out over the don'ts. <laughs> and so what he done, he got her by the hand and started to take her out in the yard. And we'll never know what it was that there's going to do out there. <laughs> we won't because this fella Tybalt recognized Romeo for who he was and come up on him a trying to pick a fight. But uh, Juliet's daddy, he didn't want no bloodshed right there in his living room. <laughs> He didn't, so all he done, he run Romeo off. But uh, Romeo didn't go straight home. <laughs> no, he didn't. He went out and hid in the yard till everybody left the party. And then when they had all went, he popped up and looked around. And he seen this light come on away off yonder. And he says to himself, he says, hark. He says, what light by yonder window shines? <laughs> He did. And, and let me tell you, Juliet step, stepped out of her bedroom window onto this stoop. And uh, she give a soliloquy. She did, friends, and somewhere in it, somewhere in it, she says, Romeo, Romeo. She says, wherefore art thou, Romeo? And he popped up and says, I'm right here. <laughs> I thank you. I thank you. Well, as it happened, there was this great big pea vine growing up to where she is a standing. <laughs> and so he clumb up it. He clumb up it, and that is where they had that balcony scene. 
And he, they hadn't been there but just a few minutes till he asked her to marry him. And that shows that he was an honorable boy about it all. <laughs> well, she says when. And he's... <laughs> well, he says now, and that shows that he wasn't up there for no light courting. He wanted to get on with it. Back then, the reason everybody lived in castles was that there was so many of them to put up at nights. Well, there was so many of them there that they had to keep a preacher on duty day and night. <laughs> Fella Friar Lawrence was his name. And so Romeo and Juliet, they went downstairs and woke him up and told him what it was that they wanted to do, and he thought that was all right. So he married them right there. But then, don't you see, it was a question of where they was to spend the night, things being how they, how they was and all. And uh, Friar Lawrence told Romeo that he ought to go on home that night. And uh, Romeo, he didn't take to it too hot. He didn't. He didn't, but he did. He went on home that night, and, and then Romeo thought that he better go off and lay low till things cooled off. And while he is gone, friends, Juliet's mama took a great notion that Juliet ought to get married. And then she was in a bind. She was. Because she didn't want two husbands because she figured that Romeo would be enough to take care of by self. And so she went back down to Friar Lawrence to see what she ought to do. And he mixed her up a drink and she drunk it and she fell out across the bed there and everybody thought she is dead. And they had this big, pretty funeral and laid her out in this family tomb and all. And before that Friar Lawrence could get word to Romeo that she wasn't really dead, some of them mean boys that lived in that town told him that she was dead. And he figured life didn't hold nothing for him. So he went out and got him this big can of light to drink. So he went over to this tomb where it was she was laid out, and he opened the door of it, and he says, Oh, my love, oh, my wife. He did. And he went in, and he drunk the lie, and kissed her, and says, with this kiss, I die. And he fell out across to that. And uh, he was a big boy for his age. <laughs> he was. And the impact of him, a falling on her, woke her up. And she woke up, didn't know what was going on, and she looked there and seen Romeo laying dead. And then she figured life didn't hold nothing for her. And then she took his knife and run it into herself, and she expired. <laughs> she did, friends. And the moral of it is, if you've got a boy that courts a girl that you don't like, or the other way around, if you don't want the expense of a double funeral on you, the best thing for you to do is to let them have a cheap wedding. <laughs> This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. It's 
too dangerous out in the world I'll see you on the other side When I'm in my quarantine In my little place too high My heart is aching and I'm missing you I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side We're all in for a bumpy ride
pilots, get off of my lawn. We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. 